Welcome to Future Focus, the UK at Expo podcast series, where throughout the world's greatest show at Expo 2020 Dubai, we'll be celebrating the best of the UK's creativity, innovation and culture, with special guests offering exclusive insight into ways we can innovate for a shared future. In this episode, host Hannah Austin talks to Graham Farrow. With an impressive record in arts management in Northern Ireland, Graham joined the Wales Millennium Centre in 2016, where he's continued to curate internationally acclaimed artistic projects. Hannah and Graham talk about the state of the arts sector in the UK as we emerge from the pandemic and why culture can only be truly great if it's accessible to all. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the How Will We Create series of the Future Focus UK at Expo podcast. I'm Hannah Austin from the Department for International Trade. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Graham Farrow, Artistic Director of the Wales Millennium Centre. Graham, thanks for joining us. We're thrilled to have you and the Wales Millennium Centre represented here on our podcast do you think you could start off by telling us a bit about your background and your career history and how you came to work for the Wales Millennium Centre? Oh, okay, I'll try and make it brief, Hannah, and um, it's great to be here um, at the Expo. I'm from Sunderland in North East England originally, and I guess my career in the arts started when I moved to Belfast and I started volunteering for um, the Belfast Festival. So from there, I ended up running it, actually, in about 10 years. But it was just a kind of introduction, you know, what art festivals are like. The whole world was there in Belfast at a time when, you know, there was a lot going on in Belfast um, with the conflict. The Good Friday Agreement hadn't yet been signed. So it was incredible that international artists would come to Belfast to perform and you saw amazing artists. Um, so I also um, sort of started up with colleagues, the Belfast Film Festival there in 1998 or nine. Um, so I was programmer for the first two Belfast Film Festivals, which is still going strong 20 odd years later. Um, and I then went and I ran the culture and arts section um, department at Queen's University Belfast, which included the Belfast Festival and an art house cinema called Queen's Film, Film Theatre. Um, the, fe the festival was the biggest arts fe festival in Ireland, and I led it until its 50th anniversary in 2012. And then I went to the City of Culture, the first UK City of Culture in Derry, Londonderry, where I was exec producer. So I was responsible for um, programming and collaborating and curating a year-long celebration of culture in Derry, which was absolutely um, amazing to be part of, um, extremely stressful. but. Um, just a great uh, opportunity for a city like Derry just to actually um, celebrate culture and look forward to a brighter future. And then I was approached to come to Wales Millennium Centre in Cardiff, um, where I've been for just under seven years. And it's the National Arts Centre of Wales. And it um, 
we present world-class musicals and theatre and dance. We also have eight resident companies on our site, which is eight acres, which include Welsh National Opera, uh, BBC National Orchestra of Wales, the National Dance Company, and even the Arts Council. Um, So it's a big kind of creative campus and hub for Wales. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that has been obvious to us working here with the Expo is how other Welsh companies are also working. You've mentioned Welsh National Opera. They're involved with Expo themselves as well. So Mm -hmm. it's great to see so much representation from Wales appearing in Dubai. Um, Just to touch on, you've mentioned the City of Culture and and Derry uh, getting the City of Culture. Cardiff won something called the City of the Unexpected. Could you just explain, I'd not heard of it before, could you explain what that is and what that meant to to Cardiff and the Wales Millennium Centre? Well, that was something that I kind of dreamed up with um, colleagues at National Theatre Wales when we co-produced a celebration for Roald Dahl's centenary, which took over the city um, with magical events for a weekend. And it was unexpected because we didn't tell anyone what was happening. And we just said, arrive in the city and unexpected things will happen, including a giant peach rolling through the streets of the city, uh, fantastic Mr. Fox tight roping across the city and other such things. So we, we cr- closed the city down. We closed roads down for the weekend. and. We got lucky with the weather and a quarter of a million people turned up to see it. So it was probably the biggest arts event that Cardiff and Wales has ever seen. And yeah, I mean, it was an amazing thing to be part of and just kind of fired the imagination of um, the city and people still talk about it. And they kind of obviously say, oh, can we do it again? But it was unexpected and it was meant to be unexpected. So it was a kind of once in a lifetime um, magical event. Amazing. And actually really interesting to me. I'm sitting here very close to Roald Earl's childhood home mm. in the Great Missenden. So he's somebody who, who appears a lot in kind of my town's story. And I think for us, working on Expo, there's been various different events. We've talked about themes and inspiration from Alice in Wonderland and from Paddington and from Roald Dahl. So how those kind of iconic British childhood stories um, influence our work and our live events to this day. So speaking of live events, it's been a really challenging time for many cultural spaces and for the live events community over the last 18 months. So how have they felt for the Wales Millennium Centre? Well, it was just a huge thing to deal with for everyone. Uh, We shut down in March of last year. We immediately lost pretty much £25 million worth of sales. Um, We reopened again last week to full audiences in our main theatre for the first time. And during the year, we'd been planning and making a lot of changes. And largely, they were around opening the building up to um, communities to take over creative space, largely outside of the building but the, because we were closed. But we also put on an exhibition called Your Voice over the summer, which was the culmination of work and artworks that artists and 
members of local communities and indeed communities across Wales had sent us during lockdown. So there were some 453 artworks, I think, which we displayed across the whole building. So we took over the whole building with um, art. And that was sort of signal, I think, of how Wales Millennium Centre, but I do think also venues as a whole, and particularly big national art centres like ourselves, need to adapt to become much more than venues, but places where people can come and be together again and share experiences and learn um, all day and all year round. So one of the things that we are doing at the minute is building new creative studios with young people, um, which are being co-designed with young people and which will be run by young people for young people on our site. That will be the biggest change that has happened to our site in 15 years. And it's you know all about open our, opening our doors to more people and to, to new audiences and sharing our space. So when we think about those new audiences and the kind of general public who have gone through this past 18 months the same way that we all have and we've seen a massive increase in the consumption of television and music and the way that people view the arts and view live arts in particular, what do venues need to do to re-engage that audience post-pandemic? Are they kind of ready and willing and banging down your doors and can't wait to get in those seats? It, it sounds like they might be, or is there anything extra venues need to do to re-engage those audiences? Well, audiences are coming back, but I absolutely believe that venues have to do extra. Um, because whatever the future holds, and we don't quite know that yet, um, Venues need to adapt in the ways that other organizations have had to adapt over over the years just to be more inclusive and to to offer more than just shows. Um, and I think it's important because we've been apart for so long that we provide space for people to come together again. Um, and not just in our auditorium, but across all of our site, whether that's to have a meeting or a coffee or to um, put on your own artworks or to come, if you're a young person, to come and learn how to make art and be creative and use your voice. So we feel it's our duty and responsibility as the National Arts Centre of Wales to be as much as we can for the people of Wales. and. We sort of we talk about you know firing the imagination of of people in Wales, but we do that through creating opportunity for people to be creative and to provide that at a scale that others can't because we're a large organization, and just to um give people magic. So it I think that venues that during the pandemic also it became very evident that venues were quite separated from the freelance artist community so 
all of a sudden when venues had closed and producers stopped producing, freelance artists were very exposed and their livelihoods, and they weren't alone in this though, were, were very, very fragile. And some went without any government support um, for quite some time. Um, so one of the things that we'd done was we 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 started a creative associates program. So we have eight artists now who are on staff here who aren't required to actually make any work, but they're here to to have space to develop their own practice, but also to help us to develop as an organization, as an art center. Um, it's something that we had in mind anyway, but the pandemic just showed how necessary it is for venues to connect with artists more and involve them more in their work rather than just be hired hands. And also for for young people and communities to to help us to grow as well and for us to to help them grow. So, you know, the thing that seemed most certain to us before the pandemic was that we'd always be able to put on Les Miserables or Lion King. And then they were the things that fell over. So all of a sudden, the most certain thing became the most uncertain thing. And the only things that we were able to do, for example, we have young people who run a radio station here. They were able to take their kit home and broadcast all through the pandemic from their bedrooms and be creative. So it's making sure that now, when the big shows come back, and we have Beauty and the Beast for Christmas and so on, that we maintain and we give more space to those young people and communities um, and artists who were there with us while we were closed, still being creative and making work. Absolutely. And Graham, in case anyone who's listening is really interested in that uh, community radio that you run with those young people, can is it accessible anywhere in the world? What's it called? Can can I want to listen? Can I? <laughs> yeah, it's called Radio Platform. I mean, you can find out about it through our site. We provide the space and the technology and some training for it, but young people run it themselves. And once that's up and running, we take nothing to do with the actual um content production um so it, yeah it's a station run by young people for young people and yeah during the pandemic we had people listening in france and germany and things which which normally we wouldn't have had so that, and you know we do have to also make digital adaptations i mean you t- you talked about um people watching well lots of netflix but also streamed theater events and so, and so on so um the radio was an example of that that we already had in place and we're building other studios in other media like we're, we're we've got a pop-up xr studio on site now um we're looking at a live um a live lounge for recording as well and all of these opportunities are opportunities for for young people and and communities to actually um produce their own work in their own voice but that just makes this place much more alive and much more relevant every day and we know that we've got to explore that more and find out how we can really meaningfully connect with people digitally 
you know, there were some instances where that connection in the pandemic was mean- meaningful because we were all apart. But we also got extremely sick of being on Zoom after a while and probably a bit sick of having to watch theatre and so on online. So we've got to kind of reflect on what's important and what digital can offer that is augmenting what live theatre can do and can bring and also other ways of connecting with people in that digital in that digital world that's that's innovative and new because I don't believe that there's really much point in just pointing cameras at things that are meant to be live on stage because the beauty of theatre is that you're in a room with people watching people on stage do things brilliantly live. We will never replace that and we need to hold on to that. But um, our first production, which is opening in a few weeks of our own, is called The Boy With Two Hearts. And as it happens... It's the story of a family who fled Afghanistan in 2001 and journeyed to Wales as refugees um, for two reasons. One, because their mother spoke out against the Taliban and also because one of the boys, there are three brothers in the story, had a very rare heart condition um, for which he could only really get treatment in the UK. But alongside that, we are, create, we, we are creating an immersive VR experience about the life of this family, which they have um, been involved with. So that will sit in front of our building for anyone to walk into and enjoy. And I think it's the, it's the first time we've done it. So we'll see how it goes. But I think they're the sort of things that we need to think about. You know, how can we make live work on stage but also offer a digital experience which actually allows you to dig deeper into the story so the play will last an hour and a half two hours the digital experience focuses on a a different aspect of the story and the family's life in herat before they left so i think that's exciting to be able to think about those new possibilities and i think the pandemic because we were able to pause i think venues were able to just reflect on how they can be better and better connected and more creative and i'm excited about the results of that and the future um thinking that we've been doing The idea of the of COVID nineteen and the pandemic impacting the kind of the content that Wales Millennium Centre are producing and the direction that you're going in. You've touched on this, um, the boy with two hearts, this new production that's opening. I thought it was really interesting when you were talking about uh, freelancers and the connection to freelancers. I was lucky enough to go to the freelancers prom the other weekend and kind of the particular feeling of that community and the relief that live events are back. I just wanted to ask a little bit more about your creative associates program because that feels really innovative and I think you're one of the only venues to have brought something like that in so just kind of how that's impacted the the freelancer community and the benefits that's bringing to your content and direction well I think there are many benefits and the the benefits are for those artists and 
for Wales Millennium Centre, but primarily it was there to support artists. So artists are on payroll here for two years, and then we will recruit um, another group of artists after that. But they're in salaried roles for two years, um, which kind of give them an anchor from which to develop their practice and to try new things without actually worrying for a while where the money's coming from. So they can all go out and earn more money by doing other projects. Um, But we're also working with them to look at how we can be more for the the artistic community. So they're involved, for example, in looking at um, the maker spaces, those studios that we're designing with young people and how they may benefit um, the arts, arts, artist community, looking at um, a cabaret venue that we're redeveloping right now and shaping those programs with us. So there are really we're we're involving artists in the heart of our development in organizational development and i think that is probably quite unique in the uk now because mostly people have artists in residence and so on or artists artistic associates in several venues but mostly they're there to make work or to direct shows or to write a new play or what and these artists aren't here for that they're here to reflect with us and learn with us and for us to learn from each other. And those artists, all when they were interviewed, they all wanted to know how a big venue like this worked. You know, what drives our decision-making? What are the things that they don't know about so that we can understand each other better? Because I do think there was a sort of polarizing impact between venues and artists and you know people were having a pop at one another partly because we don't understand each other well enough so they've been here a few months and really they're just kind of getting to know us and having a look and saying you know why are you doing it like that when it could be done a bit more like this and it's actually kind of really chilled (laughs) so um we just working it out and finding out about each other um and that it feels really good to be able to have that relationship yeah absolutely so we've talked about the creative associates program as an uh, initiative we've talked about the the new play or the the kind of next play that's coming to the wales millennium center what other initiatives do the wales millennium center do particularly to engage the community of cardiff and the community around kind of where you're situated well we have many things we have a community ambassadors program um which, in which Similarly, we involve community members um, in local communities, but not just local communities, in the work that we do. And they're ambassadors for our work, but they're also critical friends. Um, One example of how we work with a local community here in Tiger Bay is we support 
Butte Town Carnival now annually. And Butte Town Carnival is really the biggest celebration of black culture in Wales. So it's important that that creative, magical event, which comes from the community that lives on our doorstep, is supported by their local arts centre. So, you know, that's what we're here for. We're to support people to be creative and to develop their practice. So that is, you know, for artists and communities and young people, we um, have a relationship with a, with um, a company which does extraordinary work with young people um, in Porth in the Welsh Valleys called Valleys Kids. And we've been in a partnership with Valleys Kids for about four years. And we together, we work with very small numbers of young people, but we do quite sort of radical um, experimental work with those young people. Um, and that's driven by those young people themselves. <clears throat> so it's a experiment in co-design, if you like, and it informs the broader work we do with young people. Um, we have a community ticketing program. And during the pandemic, we put in a new two new rows of seats specifically for um, community access. Um, so we do lots of things. Um, but we also have introduced, and we used this a lot during the pandemic, um, something called participate rebudgeting, which gives communities money and then communities decide how to spend that money themselves. So as long as it's for creative purpose, um, it works where people vote on how to spend it. So our public art program over the pandemic, which appeared on the windows of Wales Millennium Centre, was pretty much all done by a community participatory budget model, which again was, um, it's been around globally for a number of years, but is only really um, being explored very recently in the art. Yeah, and it's so interesting to me, We one of our other podcasts focuses on public art and the role that that plays with communities. I just wanted to touch on, it's unmistakable, you've talked about Valley's Kids, Radio Platform, these maker spaces for young people. There's so much obvious, uh, obvious content that the Wales Millennium Centre are doing to connect with young people and future generations. So I just wondered if, in your opinion, you could tell us about the importance of young people and future generations in shaping the art and the live performance that we all consume. Well, I mean, you probably know this, but we're very fortunate in Wales and proud of the fact that we have legislated for future generations here through the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act. And I believe that Sophie Howe, who's the Future Generations Commissioner, is going to be in Dubai at the Expo, and she will talk about what that means. But it's really looking at empowering young people to have a voice and take control of their future and also um, our environment and how we look after the, the environment for future generations. We obviously are closely aligned with that act. Um, and particularly now after the pandemic, I think the, look, I have three boys, right, who are teenagers. And 
I just think the impact of the pandemic is really extraordinary. And I don't think we'll fully realize what that impact has been for a while yet on young people who were stuck at home and not in school for a year and a half, nearly. So also opportunities for work and um, skills and training are so important now for those young people. Um, It's going to be extremely competitive out there and we want to ensure that young people who are most disadvantaged are given opportunities to develop and to express themselves and to have a voice. And I think that was important to us before the pandemic, but now I just think it's really important. And we've placed that at the top of our agenda, which is why we're building spaces with young people. Um, And we've accelerated that program. The future requires people in society to be more creative because the problems that we're going to have to solve in the world really need innovation and creative thinking. And we've been kind of obsessed with productivity and, um, and work. And I think giving people and trying to give people more space in which to think and be creative and grow will stand everyone in good stead and Wales in good stead. For a small nation like Wales, innovation is going to be a key to our development. And that's in the hands of future generations. The formal education system does not allow enough time for young people to think creatively. So we're offering something in addition to that for young people. So let's take the question around what venues that we've heard about what Wales Millennium Centre are doing. Let's talk about venues more generally. Venues across the country in the UK and in other in other countries as well internationally. Do most venues do enough to ensure that they have a good connection with their community? We're hearing that Wales Millennium Centre works really hard to ensure those connections with its community and, and has that great kind of relationship. Do most venues do that, in your opinion? I think some do. There are good examples of um, venues like Battersea Art Centre, I think, do that really well. For example, in London, the Roundhouse, I think, as well. Um, generally speaking, I don't think venues do enough. And I should say that although we try very hard, we don't always have fantastic relationships with communities or have not always had. And we recognize that. And I think it's really important that venues are able to look themselves in the eye and work long term with communities to try and remove barriers. I mean, in England, I think the top 20 funded arts organizations between them have one black person on their leadership teams. So it is clear that there is a systemic issue which needs to be addressed in a systemic way and not tokenistically. So we need to think for years 
about how we um, provide more access and remove barriers for people who have felt excluded from our from us as venues. And that's going to take time and it's going to take deep work. So that's where I think we need that longer-term thinking. There are things that we can do quickly to address to address really how venues can become more like home for a wider range of of people but it just doesn't happen overnight and that's long hard work and i think trying to share what we're all doing together to address um those issues we should do more of because i don't think venues really talk together enough and talk together with communities enough and put those people in at the heart of those conversations and development because you know you can you can only find out um why somebody feels excluded from your place if you invite that person in and listen and then act um so you know, we we have we've an issue in the arts in the UK um, around systemic racism and exclusion, and the the challenge and opportunity is to have systemic answers to those issues. But we talk about kind of diversity and inclusion and so on, but di- diversity is a fact. So you know and it's a joyous one it's something that should be celebrated and i think as arts venues our role is to give support to people in communities to celebrate their cultures and be creative in ways that they want to be creative and not to prescribe those ways or give kind of tokenistic platforms for that expression it's to work on them together absolutely and I think when you when you see or when you start to see some of that kind of authentic inclusion and diversity come out in in newer art forms or new content then it's um it's beneficial to everyone. It helps everyone. You mentioned earlier about understanding each other better, the artists understanding the venues better, the kind of the management of venues, understanding the creatives better. And it, it all comes back to that, helping us all to understand each other better and where we're coming from. And I think earlier you said almost verbatim, the future requires society to be more creative. And I think what we're talking about here today and what we're talking about across our whole breakthrough moment of in the future, how will we create? It's It come, keeps coming back to that idea of the future and future innovations require society to be more creative. Mm. So just on that as well, I think one thing that we haven't yet, and we've covered such a breadth of topics, it's one thing that hasn't yet come up. Um, but the idea of sustainability, we're finding it comes up in a lot of our work on with the creative industries and the creative arts. How can venues work to become more sustainable in the future, both in terms of kind of sustainable models for community engagement, but also sustainability as as you know, climate change, as energy efficiency, is that something that Wales Millennium Centre are, are thinking about and are kind of innovating in that area? Absolutely. I mean, I think we 
probably have been slow to. Um, <laughs> during the pandemic, we installed solar panels on our roof. So we've now gone solar and we have a very, very big roof and a very, very large building to power. Um, so, and you know, we're looking at grey water as well. And we're also looking at, um, well, not just looking at these things, we are developing a garden project too with um, communities and a community garden and well-being garden, Wales Millennium Centre. And that's just part of, I think, A, involving people in our work and making this home for people somewhere that people feel they belong. And for that to happen, people need to feel that they genuinely have a stake in that. And I think gardening projects are actually fantastic projects in which that can happen. The the original meaning of culture, actually, <laughs> um, etymologically, is derives from Latin cultura, which is an agricultural term that literally means tilling the earth for fertile growth. So I think gardening projects and art centers, while they may seem sort of incongruous, are actually really important and making sure that venues look at what spaces they can make greener and how they can use less energy. And of course, that includes transport and flying and all of those things again. But involving people in making those changes, I think, is really important. Um, which is why when we talk about how the world needs creative solutions, we believe that creativity is not is for everyone. And we're very careful not to just say that that means art production. Um, so the spaces that we are building with young people are spaces where they can like hang out, where they have time to explore being creative or not, and where there's a level of pastoral care there for young people as well. And I think that creativity actually flourishes most with ambiguity. And we are in absolutely that world right now so if ever there was a time um then it is now and the climate emergency is urgent but it requires deep reflection as well and then action and i think we just need to make space we talk about making space here making space for communities, sharing our space with communities, sharing more of our space with young people, sharing more of our space, like, turning some of our spaces into gardens. I think that's what we can do as a venue to find creative solutions to some of the issues that we're facing. And also to try and equip young people in particular with sort of skills for life and work that may help to allow them to navigate that uncertain future creatively. And that absolutely links for me to our overarching theme statement for the UK Pavilion at Expo 2020, which is innovating for a shared future. We're talking about giving creativity being for everyone and giving young people skills for life and work. It's all about that innovating together for our shared future. 
Well, I just think that's been such a fascinating insight into the Wales Millennium Centre, the work that they do in the community, the work that venues can do kind of from a UK wide point of view, but also internationally. So huge thank you, Graham, for taking the time to appear on our podcast with us here today. Thank you, Hannah. It's been great. I just want to finish off. I just want to echo this message that you said that I think resonates so much, which is the future requires society to be more creative. And if we are learning anything through the pandemic and through our work with Expo 2020 Dubai and talking to great contributors like yourself and your organization, I think that's definitely something for us all to hold at the um, foremost of our mind. Thanks for listening to Future Focus, the UK at Expo podcast series. Look out for more podcasts in the series or subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you want to stay up to date with all things UK Pavilion, links to our social media channels can be found in the episode description.